0: We've already hit a few thousand downloads of our new podcast, Adam. Are you kidding me? How did that happen? Well, I'm almost positive that about a third of them are my mom.
1: And the other two-thirds
0: are probably you. (laughs) Podcasting from Wisconsin, the show ski capital of the world. This is The Ski Show, the ultimate show ski podcast. Hear interviews with the legends and stars of our sport, gain knowledge and insight about all things show skiing, and just maybe they'll pleasure your ear holes along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Heilman and Adam Schaller. Welcome to the Ski Show. Today's episode is brought to you by two awesome sponsors. We've got Flyman Skis, great new ski company hitting the market with Jump skis and swivel skis, fully customizable at affordable prices. And we're also sponsored by the board shop. Visit bswake.com, use the discount code the ski show, and get 20% off your entire order. Yes, indeed. It is true. My mom has listened to our podcast many times. I mean, you mentioned show skiing and her kids, and she's all in. That's what show ski moms are for, though, right?
1: Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, my wife's a show ski mom, but I'm pretty sure she'll never listen to this podcast, though she did hear me say during the Matt May interview that I wasn't wearing any pants, though I don't think she understands how a podcast works. People can't actually see me. But nonetheless, for this episode, I am wearing pants. I have my quarantine fat pants on.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Uh, well, today I'm excited because we've got a new guest after two awesome episodes with Matt May. We have the one and only Scotty Clack on the show today, and you're going to love hearing his interview. He is a tremendous storyteller. You're going to hear Scotty talk about his history in three events skiing growing up, how he landed a job at Cypress Gardens, how he taught himself helis and flips, and he'll talk a little bit about the Mobius and some tips he has for skiers today and those who influenced him along the way. With so many great stories from his career, we again have a two-part episode with Scotty. We hope you enjoy part one with Scotty Clack. All right. Well, welcome, Scotty. Thank you for being here on The Ski Show. This is a uh, our podcast just for show skiing. And we are honored to have you here today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for reaching out, guys. That's pretty fun. It's cool. Yeah, we're excited about it. Uh, and we, you know, are lo- really looking forward to hearing from you and, and learning about your history in the sport. And uh, we've gotten great reception from the show ski community uh, on this podcast. And uh, it's great to have awesome guests like you. So, so thank you. Uh, I understand, Scotty, that you've made a recent career change you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah um it it, i gotta tell you it wasn't really something
2: i planned for um uh, so i was with enmar for 12 years um chuck rowe and the enmar family are just phenomenal group um i go back to the tour days when i first met chuck rowe when i was like 18 years old and uh He's been a friend forever, and we had a wonderful opportunity to um, to represent that brand and that company for a long time, and they, uh, afforded me the opportunity to get back in the sport and and uh, support events uh, like the national show ski tournaments and things like that nature. So it was it was a great great experience, and uh, I'm forever indebted to Chuck Rowe and the and the family. Um, it was an opportunity for me to get back to Florida. Quite honestly, um, I I got to tell you and you know, from growing up in the state of Florida, growing up on water, pretty much every day I lived on the water for my days as a kid and all the way through Cypress gardens and not being able to be on the water daily, um, or have access to being close to the water was really something that was tugging at my heartstrings. And, um, um, I had the opportunity, I actually uh, ran into a, uh, an industry friend and Robert Oswell. Um, we were at an event and, um, we just talked, and I'd, I've known about the Roswell group for a long time. Uh, looked like a, a, a fun group for sure, very innovative, um, very out in front, very supportive of every aspect uh, on on water. Um, and uh, we just started ch- chatting and had a great conversation, and, and it kind of went over time, and neither one of us were really looking for you know, quote a career change or something of that nature, or bringing somebody on board, but timing worked out really well for us. So yeah, I'm now the uh, joined the Roswell team on April first of all crazy things. Um, uh, Robert uh, and I've been having a great time, albeit that these times are obviously tough and hard for everyone. Uh, but it gives us an opportunity to really deep dive and and get ahead of things for uh, for the up and coming future, and gives me a a time in a relatively slower time to get to know the product as much as I possibly can. Um, yeah. So if you want to tag a title on it, I'm a vice president of OEM business for Roswell Marine. So yeah, excited right. back here in Florida and looking forward to, uh, I've already been out on the water. several times.
1: Congrats. Whereabouts, whereabouts in Florida are you?
2: So I'm on the East coast of Florida, uh, over in, uh, in Rockledge, which is just south of, uh, Cocoa beach.
0: All right. Good for you. Congratulations. That's awesome. And, and we're really happy for you. And the timing's interesting, isn't it? With this oh my uh, God. coronavirus madness. Uh, how have you been managing, uh, the, the, uh, state of the world with coronavirus and stay at home orders and things like that? How have things been going right. for you and the family? Okay. Short story. Um, my twenty fifth
2: wedding anniversary career change my birthday uh my daughter's birthday all of that was wrapped up into great plans that we had and all of that was canceled you know as far as going anywhere so um yeah we now, my son's home from college my uh, daughter got furloughed uh, uh, my other daughters' who's she moved from uh, Colorado and I'm a grandfather now by the way so six months old oh, congrats uh, good for you and, uh,
0: Congratulations. Yeah, fun.
2: that's great it's super cool matter of fact we went out on the water yesterday took him for his first boat ride and cruised around on the chain of lakes and went to see zane and hung out over there and got on the water and, uh yeah it was cool it's been really um it, yes yeah, a question about how that's been with the family so we're all together and we're having a great time actually you know we're we're doing things together that we haven't done in a while and um It it's really it's really kind of slowed us down and made us really spend time together and enjoy each other. So, and really, you know, reflect on the things we really really love most. So, it's been good. You know, now don't get me wrong. I'm ready to get back and rock and roll, but but, uh, this this is not a bad thing for uh, for us to spend time together as a family.
0: It's good. No, no, that's good. That's good to hear. So let's let's take it back to when you were a youngster. Talk to us a little bit about when and where you first learned to ski man I so I
2: grew up in a in a water ski family um, my mom was a world champion uh, she was a three event competitor uh, Barbara cooper clack if you go back and if you want to do some history there you can have some fun um, yeah as a little kid um, I mean I just I grew up living it three event competition skiing. I, I learned how to ski on Lake Hollingsworth in Lakeland, Florida with the Lakeland ski club. So, um, Jeff Clark, a boat drive in there and, uh, that name is synonymous still. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just remembered, uh, you know, I learned how to jump at 10 years old. Um, I had a thing look like a brick wall when I was coming up to it. It was, it was crazy, but, um, yeah, my mom was, it was, uh, Matter of fact, she's the first woman ever to jump 100 feet. Um, she broke the world oh. record uh, back in 1971 of 111 feet on a pair of wooden jumpers, a 28 miles an hour, five-foot ramp at the wow. Masters. And I remember it like it was yesterday.
0: Yeah. Wow, uh, that's insane. That's awesome. That's awesome. The next yep. year,
2: they move the boat speed up to 30, and uh, so her record will never be broken. So it was fun. Yeah, those are good times.
1: So, Scott, when um, – did you first start competing as three event?
2: Yeah, I was a three event guy. Um I, ju- I always lo- I loved jumping. Loved it. I I tricked because it was, uh, I was in gymnastics in high school. Um so that was kind of came natural. Um I was really small. Um I graduated high school weighing hundred and twelve pounds, like five four, five five, hundred and twelve. So I was really little. Um, but it um Trick skiing was fun. I enjoyed it, um, but we we moved to uh, we moved to Lake Wales, Florida, um, to the most beautiful lake you've ever seen in your life. And you not you don't get to see these lakes like that in Florida. It's deep. It's eighty feet deep, crystal clear blue water, sand bottom, no one on the lake as far as that was skiing at all. Just a couple of fishermen, and we built a built a ramp, a wooden ramp, and put a slalom course out there. And I trained every morning. So every morning before I'd go to school, I'd get up and I'd go slalom um, and maybe do a trick run. And in the afternoons, I'd come home and I'd go jump. Um, the reward was I had to slalom and trick before I could ever go jump. They wouldn't. My mom wouldn't <laughs> let me jump. Um, I guess it's kind of like tubing for the kids now. I got to make them ski because all they want to do is tube, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so that's kind of how it started. Um, I, you know, I Traveled around the country uh, in a motor – all summer long, I was in a motorhome with my mom and stepfather going to tournaments. We traveled all around the southeast, and wherever the nationals was going to be, uh, we would go to that region and ski on that site so we'd get to know the water and get the feel of it and get to know the site set up and, and just get familiar with it. So we traveled I mean, Tivoli Gardens and going through Texas. I can just all go back in time. Tomahawk, Wisconsin, the Nationals back in the day. So, yeah. That's awesome.
0: When, As you were growing up in the sport, uh, when did you know that this was kind of your thing, that you were kind of a big deal and you were really good at this?
2: It's funny. Yeah. I don't really ever consider myself a big deal. I never really thought about that as a big deal. Um, I didn't take skiing seriously, really take it seriously until I was probably 18. Um, it was just fun playing around, tagging along. And, um, I I got to where I was pretty good at jumping. Um, I mean, I competed against Sammy Duvall and a guy named Dennis Hammond If you go back in the, Dennis was phenomenal. He and Sammy went after it in the boys division and, um, I was ranked in the top 10 at that time, and those guys were in a whole nother level. I mean, that was uh, Dennis and Sammy were just they were just so much better. Um, I remember Tivoli Gardens uh, at the tournament looking down the course because I was getting ready to I had already jumped and I was watching these guys. I'm sorry if I bore you with some of this stuff, but there's, if you look at, it was the first time I'd ever seen an S turn done where the guy, you get out so wide on the jump and then you make that nice little edge out before you set up your turn into it. I'm like, what in the world? I'd never seen that before. And those guys were doing it. And I thought, man, where did that come from? Jack Travers was, you know, Sammy's coach. And, and all of a sudden, you know, those guys go out and jump 140, and and Sammy comes and, right behind him and jumps 142 and breaks the boy's record. And and then from there he went on to the, to, 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 to go um, to open division. But I, you know, I just grew up in a, in a, you know, water skiing family that, and that's what we did. You know, we just grinded it out, but had fun, you know?
1: Scott, we had, uh, and Matt mentioned earlier that we had interviewed uh, Matt May and one of the questions that came up was, you know, Matt, how did you get so good at so many disciplines of water skiing. And his answer was fundamentals. And I'm sensing a trend here with you as well, where you started in three events with the slalom, the trick, and the jump. And then in high school, you said you were in gymnastics. I would imagine that the gymnastics background uh, plus the tricking plus the jump eventually led you to freestyle.
2: Uh, Yeah. And I I will tell you today, I preach – uh, any clinic that I teach, I'd imagine Matt and I are on the same page that because we, we just, we believe 100% fundamentals are, are key. I, too many kids want to go out and they want to learn helis or wanna, they actually want to learn flip, you know, the, forget about a heli and you know, they just want to go right to a flip or a gainer, but they can't jump hundred feet. Um, I was jumping 150 plus before I ever did my first helicopter. I never, I, I wasn't allowed to, my mom wouldn't allow me to do any of that stuff and it was unheard of. So I, you know, my first time I ever did that was was as a at Cypress Gardens. I never did helicopters and shows or anything or tried any of that. I was a three event skier. Show skiing was kind of like, you know, that was a whole different. I would not nah, they're just show skiers. We're three events. We're better than anybody else. That was kind of the attitude back then. It was two se- uh-huh. totally separate wood groups. But it was weird because I got to the gardens and there were guys like Paul Merrill who was just a stud of a distance jumper, but yet could do all the show stuff too. And I'm like, okay, that's a little bit different, but yeah, fundamentals are key. Um, because of that handle passing on tricks was key because now doing helis or seven twenties, because you learn how to handle pass doing, doing just wakos and things like that. And, and just learning how to jump and how to hit the ramp hard and how to manage it and how to cut and how to edge all the way in it, That's it. I think that helped me progress quicker but also do it without getting hurt.
0: You know what would make jumping easier, Adam? A sweet set of jump skis sure would. Yep, absolutely. There is a brand new ski company that has hit the market and they are changing the game. If you have not heard about Flyman Skis, let us be the first to tell you they are awesome.
1: Yes, a revolutionary new design, composite core with all new materials, a different manufacturing process, and modern graphics.
0: Yeah, and these bad boys are fully customizable. You can get online and on their website, you can custom design your own jump skis. It is sweet. They have freestyle jump skis, slalom jump skis, twin tip jump skis, and even shorties to work on those crazy freestyle jump tricks.
1: And they also have swivel skis. And man, are these things beautiful.
0: Yeah, they're made from the same composite core, patent-pending construction of the jump skis. The versatile swivel board comes in three different sizes for effortless performance. And what's best is that these things are affordable.
1: No longer do you need to search Facebook and Craigslist for used jumpers that might cost you $1,500. These are brand new, flat-out awesome, and they are the most affordable we've had on the market in 30 years.
0: Yeah, you can't get swivel skis and jump skis this high quality for this price anywhere. Flyman skis and jump skis are exclusively yours at flymanskis.com. That's F-L-Y-M-A-N-S-K-I-S dot Check out their website and design your own skis and see their 3D interactive view. This is revolutionary, affordable, and quite frankly, it's just what our industry needs. Again, that's flymanskis.com.
1: Built by skiers for skiers. Visit the website and get yourself some amazing new skis today.
0: Talk to us just a little bit about your how you developed a passion for show skiing and any advice that you would give skiers today uh, and, and potentially any advice for show skiing as a whole, what, what do you love about it? And and what tips do you have for, for skiers today?
2: I, here's the thing, man, I show skiing in general, I, you know, I would, again, I came from that, that three event competitive, you know, you, you work your butt off, man, you, you, cause you're wanting to win, right? Um, then you move into the show ski where there's the team and, and, in three event, it's you. There is no team aspect until you get onto a team, like like you get a world team or a junior world or something like that. But I don't There's no team, so it's a big transition moving from that singular sport into joining the team. But the joy that you get from being part of that team and seeing others perform and and conquering something together, like your first four tier or your first five tier or your or heck the, your first dock start that you make. I mean, it's, it. Those are the moments that are just Unbelievably fun, enjoyable. And to see that that's what show skiing is. And you that's why going back to the NMR days that we supported it because it is a family, just a true family sport that you can everyone can enjoy. And no matter what your what your talent level is, you can contribute to the team in some aspect, whether it's the ladies who are sewing, whether it's the you know, the boat drivers, the riders, the, the kids picking up. It doesn't matter what it is. Everyone contributes to make it a successful show or an event, and that's super cool. Super cool. Here's the thing that bothers me a little bit. Um, I'm a little removed from it and have been, um, but it doesn't take long to jump back in it. You know, you can get in it pretty quick. But the thing that bothers me, and I've been just narrow it down to simply, um, simply jumping or some, or just that 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 want to do. More and to do something new or more be- or better than you currently are doing, but you're not ready for it yet. There's that. There's that. I want to do the flip, or I want to do a gain, or I want to. Do- you're not ready. You're, you're not. You may want to do it. You maybe have the skill to do it, but you've got to develop the fundamentals. I think. It, I think going back to the old think tank days where you trained your butt off and you built on fundamentals and you. You just drill that in. If I'm a show director today, um, I would concentrate on the fundamentals for all the right reasons. For one is you do fundamentals because you want to keep people safe, right? There's a reason why you roll a rope this way. There's a reason why you hold the handle this way. There's a reason why you, you execute this lift a certain way because you don't want to hurt somebody for one. Second, People been doing this for a long time and they really know what they're doing you know they there's that there's a reason why we do it this way because it's going to it's going to execute better you're going to protect yourself and say and the, and the other it looks better right it's so those the fundamentals are key i i would preach that especially these young kids coming up that they just want to go do this or a show director that wants to push somebody a little further than they are you're going to hurt somebody um or there's a potential of of hurting someone, right? You come to a clinic, or if I come to your place to do a jump clinic, um, you've experienced that. If I teach that my first half of the day, we're not even going on the water. We're going to talk through it. It's going to be frustrating to some of them because they just want to go out and and huck a front flip. But I ask them to ride up and down on a pair of jumpers down, and I want you to cut back and forth across the way. I can tell you within the first... 10 seconds how good you are on the jump i i can tell because if you can't handle crossing the wakes and and i can't see you get out wide and can't see you ride your skis properly you're going to have struggling you're going to struggle on the ramp anyway that's my little piece of advice i i love it um i miss it i'm i'm back in florida now i hope there's an opportunity for me to to give back and participate in um uh, experience it uh, again so
1: yeah Mm. so scott you had mentioned that you know three event and show skiing kind of two different animals which i agree they are so what led you to cypress gardens being a three event skier what led you to cypress gardens which is essentially show skiing
2: cypress gardens was in my back door my mom skied there. My dad was a boat driver there back in the day, but I, that's something that I didn't want to do. I went to SeaWorld, to be honest with you. I was a three-event skier, just graduated high school. I wanted to continue tournament skiing, and I thought, well, I can train and ski and get paid for it. SeaWorld was pretty cool because they had, I don't know, it just seemed like a really a flashier, uh, bigger park cool with all kinds of, I mean, it just seemed like a cool place to go. So I set up a, uh, an audition there. A- Andy Hanson, a matter of fact, was the guy who, who I, uh, I, I called and, and set up an audition and I went over there and they said, okay, here's the deal. And I wrote down what I could do. I mean, I could slalom trick and jump. I could barefoot front barefoot. And I, I didn't know all the show ski stuff, no doubles or any, I didn't, I didn't know anything about that stuff or how to do it. So he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. You know, you gotta do a jump start, dock start on a slalom ski. And we skied around the you know, around the show circle. Um, I didn't even trick. He didn't ask for me a trick and um it could barefoot. Just step off and front barefoot around the circle. Okay, did that. Okay, we want you to jump. Okay. Just do a ride over. Don't do a heli, don't try anything, just do a ride over. I'm like doing a ride over is I'm like, what in the world? All I'm gonna do is a ride over. Okay. I can jump a long way, but you want me to do a ride? I did three ride overs. that was it. Bring him back into the shore and back into the dock. And he says, well, you did everything you said you could. I think you know, did a great job. Um, yeah, so you're pretty small. Uh, we, we want to put you in our training program and and work through the summer. And maybe you can work your way into the show. And I was 18-year-old, cocky, thinking, "Man, what are you, crazy? I'm going to go to a training program? I can out jump all your guys in your show, except for that Danny Stewart dude, but just, he's a stud. Uh, and he and I used to compete against each other. So it was, it was fun. But anyway, I, I, you know, I was young and, and, you know, I didn't understand the concept of I needed to train and needed to learn that side of it. And I just said, ah, forget that. So I went down to Cypress gardens and, um, my mom knew Lynn Novikovsky and, and, uh, I'd, I went and she set hey, up. I can I I set up a meeting for me to go see Lynn, and Lynn said, "I tell you what, um, yeah, we'll hire you for the summer. But here's what I want you to do: we, you're gonna you're gonna drive the OB, to so the pickup boat, right? Drive the OB, and we have a little trick segment for you. Uh, you could trick, you know, down and back. Um, so I, and he says, and then you just keep practicing and work your way in the show. But yeah, we'll hire you. But how, that's how it all started. So.
0: Yeah. I was the trick wow. OB guy. <laughs> how many years, how many years did you ski at the gardens then from, from that age forward? 20 years. Wow. Yeah. If you,
2: I, I worked at Cypress gardens for 20 years. I, on and on, I had, I left a couple of times. Um, I went down to Lauderdale and I skied with, uh, uh Fred Hardwick's group down there. Uh, they kind of put that program together. Um, I skied up in Jersey as part of that, that group with, um, and, and then I came back though, because I just, uh, the gardens was just, man, it was so challenging and it's so good. And the skiers were so, they just really were, um, what I consider the best of the best. They demanded perfection on everything you did. And I just thrived under that. I wanted that. I wanted to compete. I wanted that you know, that drive and somebody to push me hard. So yeah, I, 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 skied there. I worked there for 20 years. I ultimately ran the, um, was show director for a couple of years and then I moved into the, uh, um, operations side of the park. And then I, from there, I moved into sports marketing division and then we're in, uh, and that's kind of what parlayed me going, uh, moving on to other opportunities in the in sports and in this
0: market you know, and at that time when you were at the gardens, uh, that was really the epicenter of show skiing for so long. That was, that was it like talk, talk us through that time. What, what was it like to be a Cypress gardens athlete through those years and, and, and maybe any stories from the glory days of those Cypress gardens days,
2: man. Um, yeah, so I I came in there as a rookie, but I had a name because I was a three eventer and my mom and, Paul Merrill knew me and and I skied with him as a kid, you know, growing up, but they were just, they were dudes. I mean, they were, you know, big, strong, um, could do anything. I mean, I, I mean, I, I look back at, you know, Kevin Gunther and uh, Jimmy Cassada, um, Paul Merrill, the list that goes on and on and on about who was there, but Mike Body, Mike Body was one of the most, dynamic skiers I've ever skied with in my life. He was a ma- as smooth as they come. And he ultimately, he was back at, he went to SeaWorld too, but I, I had the privilege of skiing with him. He taught me gainers. Um, he and Mark Jackson did actually. But um, man, it was just, a, it, it. those guys work hard. I mean, they worked hard every day. You had The shows were 10, 12, two and four. I don't care who's in the stands or how rough the water is. You're going out on the water and you're skiing. There was no breakwater. There was no tire breakwater system out there. Whatever was happening was happening. You're going to go ski, and you know, don't whine about it. Get out there and make it happen. And they would bust you if you fell. I mean, you, you get they, they give you a hard time, man. We're we're trying to not fall. We we expect perfection out of everybody. I don't care what the water was like. And because of that, I loved it. Um, the team, I. And I think anybody will tell you that. I, I know you guys are, I mean, from a football, from baseball, if that locker room mentality, that locker room experience that you have, you can't get that anywhere. Some things just don't get shared outside the locker room, but, man, you can't get that. It is yeah. – Um, I probably miss that more than anything, just hanging with the guys and, and being able to, to go out and just kill it and just put something together and have fun doing it that's what I, I miss most. I'm I'm yeah. Oh God. There's so many stories. I, some of them can't be shared there. You know, maybe we we'll keep those charts. That's kind of like the Vegas thing, which stays at the gardens, you know, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I think that's true with a lot of it. doesn't matter who it is. Sea World's the same way. Ask the guys how they walk around right now and they'll tell you, you know, you, you can could, you could see it from the locker room antics. Right. Uh-huh. I think though, uh, just some rookie stuff if a new guy it came into the show he's going down i don't care if he makes his first trick you're taking him out that's just the way it is if you're jumping before he met ma- he will never make it to shore it's not going to happen
0: that's you know, hilarious so that you, if you say that it's <laughs> hilarious because matt may mentioned the same thing he said when he he went down to the gardens as a young pop he was 15 years old yep. and they go out and do a jump set and uh, you double heli split, double split, and then they get to the the four man front and makes it. And Dave Dodder pulls up, takes him out, and smokes him. And he has to swim back to shore his first first jump set.
2: Absolutely, that is that, that's how it is. That's is that was just there. You go, pal. Great job, but you're not swimming. You're not riding in with the rest of us. You're swimming it in. Yeah. And the OB would make you. He'd he'd, let, he'd make you swim in. they are not picking you up. <laughs> that's just the way it is. <laughs>
1: Scott Matt had mentioned that uh, when he started down there, you were kind of in operations. You were in the front office. What yeah. uh, uh, What'd you notice about Matt right away? I mean, what was uh, what was he like?
2: He was super easygoing guy. I mean, um, chill is a word everybody used tonight. But he, man, he was talented. I mean, everybody knew Skip. I skied with Skip, so you know you. You'd, he came in with some clout just simply because of skip. Right. But his, he, he, uh, he backed it up. I mean, he wasn't a cocky kid. He, he wasn't at all. He just, um, eager to learn, but he already had the fundamentals and he picked things up really quick. And, um, I, it's just a good, good guy, just generally good, good person. So it, it was, he was a pleasure.
0: He mentioned too, with with you, we, we talked a lot about the days on tour and we're going to get to that here with you and talk about your, your pro tour days. But one of the things that, that Matt may mentioned about you is he said of all the guys on tour, you were probably the most athletically gifted and certainly the best technician, the best technical skier. Um, and, and we've all known you to have some of the most beautiful gainers and mobs on earth and and love watching them. How did that come about uh where did that technique and 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 all of that come from um uh, in freestyle? Wow. First of all, I think
2: I need to thank him for those compliments cuz that's 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 very nice. I uh, I I'm a perfectionist, I think by by nature. I'm very picky in, on 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 myself um and my performance. <clears throat> and I think if I go back to gymnastics, days, you got to stick the landing. That's the way it is or you're not going to get you know, you can do all, of, you look good in the air, but if you don't stick to landing, it ain't happening, right? So that, and form uh, in gymnastics is key. You know, legs together, you got all those things are, are important. Back in the day, I call way back in the day when, when my mom was jumping, form was was part of distance jumping too. Hand on the hip and had to, you know, everything look, you know, go back and look at the Chuck Stearns and all those guys and how, how they looked in the air. I don't know, I just think that that, that came as as that, that's kind of ingrained in my in my in my head. But I also I fundamentally have just a way that I think I want something to look. That's yeah, good, bad, or different, but that's the way I want it to look. And and that's that's what I just wanted to I wanted it to look clean. I wanted it to look good, and I, I want and I felt you know layout legs together, obviously sticking the landings, and and then trying to stay together was key to me.
0: Well, that concludes part one of our interview with Scotty Clack. Amazing stuff there. I love how he taught himself helis and flips. Unbelievable. He made his first heli and his second front flip. Must be nice. I can't even learn to do much of anything in one try. I tell you what,
1: Matt, the one thing that I loved about what Scott had to say, which is also the same thing that Matt May had to say, and that's that their success is all rooted in the fundamentals. I mean, it's amazing that they both echoed the same things as they were learning and becoming great skiers.
0: Yeah, I honestly think it's a missing piece in our sport today. You know, you you heard Matt and Scotty both, they were three-event backgrounds, so that helped them. But they could both jump 150-plus feet, and that long-distance jumping really helped them learn freestyle so much easier. You see, today, a lot of jumpers want to jump into helis and flips right away just after making a ride over – but they've never cut at the ramp. They have no comfort on the ramp. They can't handle speeds. They can't edge at the ramp. Uh, and they miss that basic fundamentals of jump skiing. I've even seen that with my own son, Jack, uh, you know, learned ride overs and he was fine doing a 30 foot ride over and sticking the landing. And he wanted to, to jump to helis right away. And fundamentally he just wasn't that comfortable on the ramp. And so For him, it was back to basics. It was getting comfortable on jump skis. It's edging at the ramp. And I think that's a missing piece today uh, in our sport.
1: Yeah. And they also, uh, they both mentioned a trick skiing background. And it seems like that's the basis for a lot of fundamentals to be built in the sport as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, trick skiing is huge. And, and as we chatted about with, with Matt in episode one, uh, a lot of guys back in our era learned to trick ski first. And that's what the instructors were teaching was get comfortable on, on the trick ski. And you think about jumping, you know, I can't even remember the last jumper on our team who could consistently jump a hundred feet, who can LD guys just don't LD anymore. But you think about it, imagine how much better your air sense would be and your ability to resist the ramp and to cut at high speeds. And I think if guys committed to the basics first, they'd be much better off in the long run. What Instead, what you see today is you see a lot of guys who plateau in their skill because they just haven't become proficient at the basics. Uh, maybe you can make a heli and a, a flip, but you want to do things beyond that. If you don't have the comfort on the ramp and in the air, um, you're going to struggle and you're going to plateau in your skills. Yeah. And I, you know, I never
1: progressed much beyond, uh, just a utility skier on uh, a show ski team, but what I'm about to say, I'm just basing off what I heard from Matt May and Scotty Clack. And that is, you know, if we don't have a show ski season this summer because of the coronavirus or a shortened season or whatever, I mean, that just means more time in the water for individuals, uh, to practice their own things. And it sounds like, Hey, it's time to dust off the trick skis, get out on your trick ski, get good on that, uh, get get on your jumpers and just cut across the wake back and forth at high speed. Just get real good at the basics. I mean, it's not flashy. It's not fancy. It's not going to put you in that ski one position in the show as Scotty Clack referred to, but the better you get good at the basics, the easier, the more advanced things are going to be.
0: Absolutely. You know, and I, and I see it in my kids too, even in different sports, you know, my kids practicing basketball, they've got to, they got to learn to dribble before they can uh, shoot a jump shot or, or, or dunk a basketball. You gotta, you gotta take baby steps. So great stuff from those guys. And, uh, I'm really excited for episode two or, uh, uh part two with Scotty Clack. All right, Adam, let's get to mailbag a uh, reminder for our listeners. This is your chance to submit questions you want us to talk about. If you have a question for our mailbag segment, send it to the podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions.
1: All right. There's just one question today. Derek asks, with the NFL draft happening a couple weeks ago, what would a show ski draft look like? Who would be some
0: big names drafted and why? Wow. Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know how deep we want to dive because we're probably going to end up ticking people off by not mentioning their names. Who knows? Actually, I think we could do an entire podcast episode on this topic. It would actually be pretty cool on uh, drafting a show ski team, maybe an all time show ski team, uh, could be a, a podcast topic and, and maybe we'll just do that. Uh, but to answer your question, Derek, I think if there was a show you'd have to first consider what position you'd want to draft first. So would you want a male skier or a female skier or a driver or an announcer? What would be most important first?
1: Oh, boy. Um, Well, first off, uh, you know, not to piss anybody off. Let's remember this is a family sport where, you know, we generally try to be all inclusive. So this is all hypothetical. And, I mean, I'm sure we all know what it – feels like to be the last person picked for kickball in gym class. At least I do. <laughs> um, so with that, that being said, you know, this again, all hypothetical and you know, gosh, there's, and there's so many factors that would go into this. Um, yeah, Matt, you're right. I mean, this is like an entire podcast by itself.
0: Yeah. I'd probably consider, honestly, uh, I would consider, uh, drafting one of the top tier announcers first, because there are just fewer of those than there are skiers. I'd hate to have a great team of skiers and then have a shitty announcer, but the question is what announcer would I take first? Would I take you, Adam, or would you even draft yourself first?
1: Um, first off, a draft is all about getting paid, right?
0: I mean, this is all about the
1: big (laughs) dollars, the big money. So of course, I would draft myself first. I gotta, I gotta put myself in the best financial position. Uh, No, uh, (laughs) all kidding aside. uh, If there was really a draft, you know, Matt, I think you're right. When you look at just the pool of people you have to pick from, announcers is probably the smallest pool. So if that's the smallest pool, you're gonna want to, you're gonna want to. Pick from that first, right? I mean, if you have the NFL draft and there's only three great quarterbacks coming out of college, but there's 50 wide receivers, yeah, you're probably going you, you're probably going to want to snag a quarterback first, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I would I would not equate your value to that of a quarterback, but I mean yes, we get the idea. We get the idea. Um fine. Announced- fine. there's there's three great punters <laughs> out there. Yes, you're gonna want to grab analogy. a punter
1: first. Whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> punter, quarterback, the guy that yeah. holds the ball when
0: they, they do the field goal. Yeah, he's called the holder, Adam. Yeah. Well, I watch a lot of football, obviously. Yeah. Uh, after an announcer, I'd probably go after some versatile male talent, um, someone who can do a lot of stuff like an Ethan Shoulder, Garrett Boulet. There's a ton of guys, but you want versatility guys who can do multiple different disciplines.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, same thing on the female side. Uh, you know, do you, do you just want a swivel skier or is your top pick going to be uh, the more versatile females out there, like a Rachel Zank that can uh, swivel and jump and barefoot or Alicia Stewart, uh, out of Australia. I mean, um, uh, I mean,
0: uh, Bailey Hyatt, she's killing it. She's making front flips now. And you know, those, those girls that can do more, uh, outside the box. Absolutely. Yeah. We could literally talk about this all day and, you know, maybe we will at some point, m- maybe we'll get Dave on here and do, do a whole episode on something like this. I think that's a great idea. Great question. Derek, uh, we'll, uh, Uh, Maybe we'll wrestle with this another time as well in another episode, but thank you very much for submitting your question.
1: Hey, Matt, just a, just a thought, quick thought. Uh, Can we just talk about announcing for an entire episode or maybe
0: comedy? Um, No, Adam, we're actually trying to gain listeners, not lose them. Good point. Well, that wraps up episode three. Our next
1: episode will be part two with Scotty Clack.
0: In our next episode, Scotty is going to tell us a little bit about his glory days on tour, a little more about his days at the gardens, and he's going to go in depth into some great stories about double front flips and 1080s, as well as his experience at the 2012 World Tournament, which he says is a career highlight of his.
1: Good work, Matt. Looking forward to our next episode with Scotty.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. If you could help us out and share our Facebook page, share the podcast with show skiers everywhere, as well as rate us and give us a review when you're able. It'd be much appreciated. And we'd be remiss if we didn't thank our sponsors today. We've got the board shop. Get all your summer water ski gear at bswake.com. Use the discount code, the ski show and get 20% off your order. And we've also got Flyman Skis, brand new ski company hitting the market. Check out flymanskis.com. Custom make those awesome swivel and jump skis. You've got to check this out. Flymanskis.com. That's
1: a wrap. And until next time, this is Matt and Adam signing off.
0: Thank you for listening to The Ski Show, the ultimate show ski podcast with Matt and Adam. We're the only show specifically dedicated to all things show ski. If you have feedback or ideas for future shows, hit us up on social media or email us at Podcast at gmail.com.